on. Uh, the rest of us go ahead and grab our Bibles. Joshua and chapter 4. Joshua and chapter 4. And we are going to try to go through the entire chapter of Joshua chapter 4 tonight. So if you'll pray, pray for us, we're going to try to do that. Try to learn what God has for us. Last week, we um, went through Josh, um, the end of Joshua chapter 3 with no God can, no God can help us to do what we need to do. He will guide us through. He will enable us to accomplish what He has for us. Seeing God work today will allow us to know God can work tomorrow, that no God can. And tonight, with the Lord's help, we're going to consider this title, Teach Others God Can. Teach Others that God can. So chapter 4, Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 1, we're going to read through the whole chapter. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off, because cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest, which bear the ark of the covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priest which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua. And the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of, that the, ark of the covenant of the Lord passed over and the priest in the presence of the people and the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua and saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. And Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, 
And the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the, the record that it has and what it wants to speak to us today, Lord. How you speak to us and challenge us through your word. I just pray that you would be free to speak tonight, Lord. That um, um, your word would be clear and that you would apply it to each one of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many have walked past Trinity Church on Broadway and Wall Street in Manhattan? Trinity Church, Broadway, right there at Broadway on, by Wall Street. There's an old church right there. In, there's a graveyard that um, many famous people are buried in. There's a tomb of Robert Fulton there, um, who invented the steamboat. Alexander Hamilton is buried there. Many American heroes, people who are very important in American history, are buried there. At Trinity Church. Many of us have walked past it. Also located in that same area um, on the church property is a monument, a memorial, dedicated to those who died, the Americans who died during the American Revolution in the prison hulks in in New York Harbor. How many have seen that monument? We've walked, many of us have walked past that church day by day, and we see it, but we might not take the time to read the inscription. But how many, even of people in my generation, even if I walked up and I said, This is a monument about those who died in the British prison hulks during the American Revolution, how many people of my generation would even know what that means? How many people would even understand what I was talking about in American history? It's, this is a tr- what happened was, during the American Revolution, the United States, which were rebelling, they weren't the United States at that time, didn't have a fleet. They didn't have a navy. So what they did was, they gave out what were called privateer's license. They, to men who owned a ship, they gave them a letter saying, You are working for the United States. And they would take their ship, and at their own expense, they would outfit it, and then they would attack the British ships coming across from England, bringing supplies. They would take the British supply ships, and they would capture the goods, and they would take some of it and give it to the army, and they would sell some of it. But the idea was to break up the British supply lines. 
Well, the British had a neat little trick for those if they caught them, caught these privateers. They would take ships that were no longer seaworthy, and they would block up all the holes, all the gun ports in them. They would totally enclose the ship, and all the privateers that they caught, the Americans, they would take them and stuff them in the ship, basically, till they died. That's what it was. And every day, the British sergeant would come and offer them a chance. They said, if you'll join the British Army, you can get out of here. You can jo- if you'll just join, put on a red coat, and go fight for the king, you can leave this horrible prison where many, many died from starvation, from disease, and very, very few did that. Most of the men in those prison hulks had too much character to leave their comrades behind and go join the British so they could get out of that horrible situation. The purpose of the memorial is to remind us, those who are after what has happened, of an event that should not be forgotten. That's the purpose of a memorial. How many have been to Gettysburg, where there's memorials over the entire battlefield? Or you can go to Washington, D.C., one of the famous, many, many monuments, many memorials, the Vietnam Wall Memorial in Washington, D.C., and other battlefields around the world, memorials, reminding us of things that should never be forgotten, of American history. Americans should be interested in passing down true American history to the next generation. They should be. But we're not here just to talk about American history. That's not, the, that's not why we gather here at church. You see, God is also interested that His miracles and His wonderful workings, what God has done in our lives, the fact that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, God is interested in that being passed down to the next generation and the next generation. And those who are coming after us, God is very interested in and them knowing God the same way that we know God. God does not change and God desires His people to show the world how wonderful and powerful He is. Is at this time in Israel's history, in the book of Joshua, Israel was daily experiencing the mighty workings of God. In chapter 3, they crossed the Jordan River. This was the final obstacle to entering the promised land, to inheriting all the promises of God. And last week we talked about how no God can, no God can cross the trials that are in front of you. God has the power to overcome that. And chapter 4 is a little bit of a review. It's going back and reviewing what is going on, what actually happened a little more in depth of how God was moving His people forward as they obeyed Him. You see, Israel had come to a point of no return. They were entering the promised land. Up to this time, they had been in the wilderness. They had been wandering. And what was the generation before that had died in the wilderness? What was one of their constant complaints? Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt, right? Oh, if we could go back to Egypt. Well, at this point, Israel, the tribes of Israel, the entire nation, their cattle, everything they possessed, except for the two and a half tribes that were going to stay here, they were getting ready to cross the Jordan River. Once they got over, there was no going back. 
they were reaching a point of no return. They had to, once they crossed, it was, they were going forward. There was going to be battles in front of them, but they weren't going back. God had opened it up, and at the end of the chapter 4, when we see it, when they when God, the Jordan River was running at full flood stage, just like it was before. It, it was now, instead of a barrier in front of them, it was a barrier behind them. Talk about burning bridges. They couldn't get back. So this was a point of no return. The Jordan River was going to cut them off from returning to the land of Egypt. You don't hear about Israel saying, Oh, I wish we were slaves back in Egypt again after this point. No, they're in the land. They are, they have crossed the Jordan River. They are entering that land. They are ready to move forward and inherit the promises God has for them. They're at that point. God has shown His mighty hand by literally stacking up the waters, the floodwaters of Jordan as it was just a rushing torrent from the, from the snows melting. And God had stacked it up and allowed His people to cross. And then in chapter 4 at the beginning, Joshua, God commands Joshua to have the nation of Israel set up a memorial. To, he has, God had already told Joshua, get 12 men, one from every tribe, you're going to get, and you're going to get a stone out of the middle of Jordan. Now, how many have waded through a creek? I've waded through a creek in, or water in my bare feet, and you notice that the stones in, a water, in the water are a little bit different than the stones on the land. They've been washed over. So God want, wanted them to have something that showed the miraculousness of God, what God had done. You don't go diving into a river and pulling stones out. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It was the idea of they had passed over on dry ground. It was a monument to God's miraculous power. And God said, a man from each tribe... Every tribe passed through this. This wasn't a one-person event. The entire nation of Israel had passed through with all their cattle, all their possessions, everything. They had passed through. And God wanted them to have a memorial, a reminder of what God had done. The men were to take these stones and carry them on their shoulders. We've read it. The six or eight miles to Gilgal, where they were to encamp. They were, so these weren't these massive boulders. Because each one man was carrying a stone. So it would have been something, maybe 20, maybe 40 pounds. Maybe these weren't massive stones. They were going to have to carry them six or eight miles. That's, that's a long way. When we, were on, when we were loading the container, Brother Mike and Philip and my dad and I, we, we were carrying bags and using a wheelbarrow and transporting garbage into the container. And we were only going from the back of the um, alleyway to the front in, to where the container was. But that got heavy after a little while. As you were carrying bag after bag, that got very heavy. Now imagine carrying something like that six to eight miles. Okay, so we're just going through, going through the story here. It wasn't these big stones. It wasn't something monumental that you could see, but, but it was something important. God wanted them to have this. And it was to be a memorial for the coming generations. Alright? Um, in ver- this, verse number 6, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? It was something different. It was something that was to create questions from the children to their parents. It was to be a memorial of what God had done. 
And the nation, and then the rest of the chapter is, um, up to verse number 19, is just a reiteration of what is going on. It's explanation. It's more, more information about how the nation of Israel moved through the Jordan River. It says that they hasted through the river. Remember, the priests are bearing the Ark of the Covenant. They were the ones who first put their foot in the water. As soon as the soles of their feet touched the water, the waters divided. And God stacked up and now they were going over on dry land. And the priests were there standing in the middle of the river, holding the Ark of the Covenant, while two to three million people were passing through, all around them, through the dry land. So this wasn't... Like at the Red Sea, same idea. It wasn't this little narrow pathway. It would have been a big, a big wide area. Wider than this room. It would have been a big wide crossing as millions of people were crossing this Jordan River. Meanwhile, the whole time the priest... <coughs> excuse me. Meanwhile, the whole time the priests are standing there holding this Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And the Bible says... They hasted, at the end of verse number 10, and the people hasted and passed over. So this was something they were trying to move and get across. Some people say they didn't want the priest to have to stand there and hold that thing because it was heavy. Well, that may be part of it. Some may be, some may be part of it. Hey, that water's getting, stacking up and just stacking up. Let's get across. The other thing was, let's, let's not be crossing in the night. Let's just get across. So it, they're moving. They're happening. They're crossing. They're experiencing the miraculous workings of God is what is going on. They're crossing the river. And then in verse number 14, another thing that was going on is on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. As They were obeying God. As the people were obeying God, God was performing miracle after miracle after miracle. You think about it. The miracle, the main miracle that we're talking about is the parting of the Jordan River. But really another miracle here was the fact that, excuse me, was the fact that the people had the same fear of Joshua as they did of Moses. God, the Bible says, God magnified Joshua. Up to that time, the only leader they had known till Joshua took over was Moses. Moses was the one who had led them out of slavery. Moses was the one who had led them in the wilderness. Moses was the one who had gone up on Mount Sinai and brought down the commandments of God. And literally a miracle that happened here was God, through, this miracle, through the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River, showed them that Joshua was the man of God and that they should follow Joshua the same way they were following Moses and the people did it. It's another miracle of God that's going on right here. As the people were, it wasn't Joshua saying, I'm the leader now, I'm in charge. It was no. He was simply obeying God and God had the people follow him. God moved the people's heart, showed him, showed them what they needed to do and follow him and follow Joshua. And they feared Joshua, the same way they feared Moses. They had the same respect, the same way they looked up and said, Joshua, you are a leader. What do I need to do? That in and of itself is a miracle. And then also in an obedience to God, the two and a half tribes sent their armies over. It said about 40,000 men passed over armed for the, before the children of Israel, before the Ark of the Covenant. 
that must have been reassuring to the rest of the nation of Israel. They said, We've got, we have some protection here. They were doing this in obedience to God. God had told them through Moses, the two and a half tribes, sure, you can settle on the east side of Jordan, but your armies are going to go in and you're going to help the children of Israel conquer the land. And they did exactly that. Their, part of their armies, 40,000 men, crossed the Jordan River, armed, ready to move forward. And then God tells Joshua, Joshua, the men you've picked out, go get your stones. So they go to where the priests are, they grab their stones, and they start coming out. Joshua grabs 12 stones, and he places them right in the middle of the river where the priests were standing. Now, there isn't necessarily a special command from God to do that, but Joshua's saying, this is where the priests stood. And the other 12 men grab their stones, and they walk out. And they start the hike following the rest of the nation to where they're going to be. And then God tells Joshua, all right. Tell the priest to come out. And God tells, so Joshua looks at the priest and says, Alright, time to get out of the river. Everybody's through. And as soon, as soon as the priest stepped onto the regular bank, out of the flood zone of the Jordan River, everything lets go. And it flowed just like it did before. As if nothing had happened before. I was, when I was doing some study, I read one commentary and it said, well, you know, if, if this had been done by a mudslide, you know, the water had been pent up, whatever. And I'm like, no, obviously you're trying to give natural, phenom- natural, what happened naturally to explain this miracle of God. No, the Bible says God dried up the waters of Jordan. It wasn't some um, thing, mudslide. It wasn't some natural thing that people can look at and say, that's what happened. That's why the Jordan River stopped. Besides, it wouldn't have stopped long enough for dry ground. There would have been water coming through. No, this was a genuine miracle of God. God was working. God was doing things and miraculously allowing the children of Israel to move forward to the next step. This was God's hand working. And we also know this by Joshua. God tells, Joshua tells the priests, come on out. And as soon as they hit that bank... It was like nothing had ever happened before. The barrier was now behind them instead of in front of them. And God tells them, all right, grab those 12 stones. We're going to Gilgal. And they go the six. Now they're only about two miles from Jericho. They're encamping in the plains around just just east of Jericho. In the first battle they would face. In chapter 5, God is going to have to do some more working on the children of Israel before they're ready for their first battle. But at this point, they've crossed the Jordan River. They are now standing in the promised land. Everything, the promises all the way back to Abraham are about to come true. The nation of Israel, their cattle, everything, their, their possessions, the tabernacle, everything has moved From the wilderness into the promised land. And God tells Joshua, I want you to take these 12 stones. And he says for many, several times, one for every tribe of Israel. Several times, one for every tribe of Israel. Take those stones, take them to the place where you're going to camp and set them up. Why? Was it so important that they have a memorial that God dedicates almost the entire chapter 
of Joshua chapter 4 to having a memorial. That's what the entire chapter here is really about. There's other information. This is what happened. But the chapter is about what God is telling us. What the writer was communicating is this is about a memorial. Well, why did they have a memorial? What was so important about this memorial? Let's pick up reading in verse number 19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones, what we've been talking about, which they took out of Jordan, did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. He set them up. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know. This is what you're going to tell your children. Saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. How? Why? For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. The memorial was for the purpose of teaching the coming generations what was coming that day. It wasn't just so they could have, what are these weird stones here? They don't belong here. That's different. No. The reason God wanted Joshua to set up these stones, God had a very specific reason, and he tells Joshua, this is why, and Joshua communicates to the nation of Israel, everybody hears him as he's talking. This wasn't just something that he told one guy in passing. This was the commandment of God being communicated to all of God's people. These stones that you're carrying out of Jordan, it says that they carry them out in the presence of all the people. Everybody knew what was going on. It was so the children of these people who had passed through and the children of their children. It's the idea of when they um, say when your children ask you. It's the idea of asking and continuing to ask and continuing to ask in, per, in perpetuity. Their generations after generation after generation after generation would ask their parents, what are these stones doing here? In this encampment where Israel came over, these stones obviously aren't regular stones on the land. What means this pile? Or maybe they put them in a circle. Maybe they set it in order. We don't know exactly. But it was something. It wasn't this big, massive monument. They didn't inscribe anything on it. It was just their stones were set up. The Bible says Joshua pitched them. Maybe he put them in a pile. Whichever. That How he set it up wasn't the important part. The important part was God said, take these stones and put them here. Why? Because the fathers were to take their children there and their children as they're walking by saying, these stones belong here. What, what, what is the purpose of this? Like a father taking their kid through a memorial. Well, what's that about, Dad? Well, what's that about? What happened here? Why is this memorial here? And then the fathers were to teach their children of God's power. They said, Israel crossed this Jordan. At Gilgal, they could then take the walk, the six-mile walk, back to the Jordan River. And say, you see this Jordan River? Well, when we came over, it was during flood time. And we came over on dry ground. Well, Dad, how did we come over on dry ground? How did, how did that happen? I see the water flowing by. The river doesn't stop. Well, it did this day 
Because look at it, it says, then you say, for the Lord, your God dried up the waters of Jordan. The idea is God came down himself. He, he made this happen. This wasn't some natural phenomenon that we just managed to get here at the right time. No, this was the Lord God. This was the eternal God who came down and worked in our lives and parted this water just like he did at the Red Sea. God did this for us. God allowed us to pass. He dried up the waters until everyone had crossed. This is what God did. So why were they supposed to teach their children this? Was it just so the children of Israel would have a history lesson about how they came into the promised land? Was that the reason for these stones? Just so they could have their history behind them. They could know, well, we came through Jordan on dry ground. That makes us special. No, that wasn't the reason God had for the memorial and for their fathers teaching their children. Verse number 24, let's read it. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord. What about it? That it is mighty that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. The purpose of teaching their children this history was so that everyone who heard this story would learn how mighty God is and that they would fear him. They would come to know that this wasn't one of the idols of the land who did this. This stone wasn't set up in commemoration for Baal or any of the other idols in the land. That these stones were for the eternal God, that they would know that this was God. That He came. That He worked in people's lives. That He could overcome the trials in front of them. That God did this. That they would know the hand. That it is mighty. That God was able to not only do that before, but God could meet every need they had now. And that they would fear the Lord. That they would realize, you know what? This isn't just something we do on the side. This is God who we're talking about. And that He is our God. And I need to fear Him. I need to serve Him. Because of what He did then, I know that He is still God now. That is what the fathers were to teach their children. Let's, how could we summarize it? Is God commanded Israel to memorialize this miraculous crossing. Why? So that future generations might be taught to fear the Lord. That simply. God wanted future generations to be taught to fear the Lord. Say it this way. They were to teach others God can. Because in chapter 3, just before, as they crossed, you know what? They knew God can. They knew God could meet their needs. But what they needed to do was teach the next generations that God can. Teach the next generations that the God who could back then can today. That's what was the purpose of this memorial. And what a wonderful opportunity the children of Israel had to pass down the truth of who God is and what God could do. They had a wonderful opportunity. God purposely said, here's the memorial that you set up just for the purpose of teaching the coming generations about who I am. And to perpetuate the fear of God from generation to generation. That the whole world would know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. However, we go to Judges chapter 2 in verse number 10. This was after the death of Joshua. 
The elders that were with Joshua had now passed on. This would have been the grandchildren of those who walked through Jordan. This is what the Bible says. Talking about those who died. And also all that generation were gathered unto the fathers. And there arose, this is the history of Israel, the grandchildren of these, the children and grandchildren. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for them. That's what the Bible says. It said, there arose a generation which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for them. They didn't know about it. And if you read the book of Judges, the debauchery that's in there, how they become totally idolatrous and begin to worship other gods, and God has to bring nations into the land and bring punishment on them, so now they are living in the land, God's blessings under bondage. There's other nations coming and afflicting them and taking their goods and defeating them in battle. Israel is experiencing defeat. And then if you read the book of Judges, there's a cycle. They get serving God again, and then they stop serving God. And they come into bondage. And they start serving God, and they stop serving God. That For 400 years, the generations after these people who walked through, the children, walked through Jordan, it says that generation didn't know God. They didn't know the mighty works that God did. Their parents had not taught them the fear of God. And they didn't know that God could take care of the struggles they had in front of them. They didn't know they could depend on God for each and every need. Why? Was there something wrong with the memorial? Was there something wrong with the stones there? No. In fact, they set up, if you read, go through the book of Joshua, and we're going to cover that in the coming weeks, there was even more memorials. There was eventually those stones at the mountains of cursing and blessing. Joshua set up a stone saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord at the end of the book of Joshua. There's also the, the stones that the um, two and a half tribes set up on the Jordan River saying, we're still part of Israel. All of these were supposed to be memorials reminding the children of Israel of who God was. So the problem wasn't with the memorial. The problem was a failure to teach the next generation. What had happened was the parents didn't teach their children. What mean ye these stones? Ah, they're stones that came out of the river. Maybe. Maybe they didn't even take their kids to see them. You know, thinking about America, we, we just, it saddens me that many of my generation have no clue about the history of America. Who the founding fathers were, what this country stood for, the fact that this country was the first country that in the Constitution, in the founding of this country was freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, the freedoms to practice religion without government interference. They don't know what this country has stood for, and now they're trying to change it. Why? Because no one has taught them. They could go 
to the to that monument there at Trinity Church, and they could look at it, they could see it, and they wouldn't know what it's about unless they looked it up. Why? Because nobody has taught them. I know what it's about because my father taught me about it. I know what some of the monuments around this country are about with some of the history because my father has taught me. Others don't know because they haven't been taught. They don't know what the history of this country is. It isn't because the monuments are at fault. It's because they haven't been taught about it. But the point of this passage is not to challenge you to build memorials about what God has done in your life. That's not the point of the passage. The point that the author is trying to get across here is not go put up stones so people can ask you. The challenge was you need to teach others about what God has done. The responsibility of to that generation, the next generation, and the next generation, the responsibility that went down through the ages, the truth was they needed to teach their children the power of God. They needed to teach the who God was to others. They needed to teach others God can. Today, it is our duty to teach the next generation, to teach those around us to fear the Lord. We need to show others who God is. You know, it's the parents' responsibility to teach their kids. It's not... You notice in here, it wasn't the Levites are to take field trips with the entire nation of Israel and explain this to them. What it was, it was the children were to ask their fathers. And if the next generation is going to know God, it has to be fathers and parents teaching their children who God is. Saying, you see this? This is what God does. This is who God is. This is God. You need to fear Him. You need to serve Him because He is mighty. And that's how the next generation is going to learn who God is. You know there's memorials we have? Something to set up that can, children can ask? I'm not trying to spiritualize everything, but you know where you can bring your kids so they can learn and ask questions? Is the church. You can bring them here and they can begin to ask questions. But the responsibility was put on the parents. The responsibility wasn't put on the priest. It, is the, it was put on the parents. But you know it's a Christian's responsibility to teach the world? You know, the parents are to teach their children. But you know, we each... Well, I don't have co-workers who are unsaved. I work for my dad. That'd be kind of weird. But we, we run into people. Some of you have co-workers. Or the person we meet across the counter. Or wherever it is. And how are they going to learn about God? We need to teach others that God can. We need to show them who God is. The purpose was to teach their children, but that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord. The 25th anniversary is coming up for Open Door Bible Baptist Church. That's an important time. Look back and see what God has done. But if Open Door is going to celebrate its 50th anniversary, 25 years down the road, it isn't going to be because we celebrated a 25th anniversary. It's going to be because we, as the members of Open Door Bible Baptist Church, teach others who God is. 
and teach others that this is God. We show others God is mighty. We show others you need to fear the Lord because He is God. That He can do what He's done back here, what He did in the purchasing of this building and what we call the miracle on 35th Street. He can do it in your life today. How are the stories passed down? We teach others. We pass it on to others. We must teach others that God can. God's miraculous power must be taught to the next generation, to those, whether it's your, um, your children, the next generation of Christians, newly saved people. God's miraculous power must be taught to the next generation if they're going to know God's mighty hand and fear Him. So how can we teach others who God can? Well, bring them to church. Bring them here, where they are under the preaching of God's Word. Let them ask you questions. Spend time with them. Let them ask questions. You know, those children would never have been able to ask their, fa- ask their father's question, what mean ye these stones, if their fathers weren't with them, if their fathers weren't listening to them? They could have asked it all day and not hear an answer. You have to spend time, listen, and respond. And take personal responsibility in teaching others God can. Do others know more about football or God from listening to us? Listening to us talk. Or more about fashion and the latest trends? Or what is just going on at the workplace? If they listen to us talk, what do they know about? Do they know about God and how mighty He is? Or do they know about everything else that's going on in the world today? Lastly, if we're going to be able to teach others that God can and show others that God can, we have to live a life that will serve as a memorial to others that God can. That others can look at our life and say, you know what? God did it in their life. I believe God can do it in my life. Can others look at your life and say, God can. Would someone be able to listen to you, look, watch the way you live and say, God can do mighty things. You know what? The children of Israel physically walked through Jordan. They set up physical stones that their children could come and learn. And yet, within two generations, there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. That's the history of Israel. That's what happened. That's what's recorded in the Bible. That shouldn't happen. But it does, because we're all human. And we all fail. But if that isn't going to happen, God's miraculous power must be taught to those around us. To those who come after us. If they are going to know God's mighty hand and fear Him. We have to teach others God can. It's not just important enough that we know God can. As we move forward, as, they, as we see God accomplish things in our life, that's great. That's amazing. We go forward and we see God give victory 
after victory as we obey Him and follow His will. But our job's not over yet until we take the victories that God gives us in our life. We're supposed to take those and show others that God can. Teach others that God is able to do it. It isn't enough that God is just, we know God can do it in ourselves. How they know if we don't teach them? We got to show others God can each and every day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I just pray that you would work in our lives, Lord, and that you would challenge us and show us how we can show your mighty power to the world around us. In Jesus' name I pray. If you need to take a couple moments and just pray at your seat, we'll do that before we enter our prayer time.